0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Mike, are these final seven games important, critical in the long-term development of Kenny? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on this week in terms of the development of Kenny. Um... You know, we're not urinating on the fire, man. Um, We're we're, we're getting ready to play a football game and win this week.
0: I got a text from Peter King yesterday after he saw that quote from Mike Tomlin. We're not urinating on the fire. And Peter had a very simple question. What does that mean? (laughs) i don't know i don't know i i think i think it's a twist on the old saying if there's someone that you really dislike beyond any point of salvation of the relationship you would say i wouldn't urinate on him if he were on fire there's that saying that's been around forever i've never heard it in any other context as it relates to organizational problem solving dealing with crisis we're not urinating on the fire does that mean well whoever would like (laughs) if there's a fire in your kitchen the first thought isn't we should maybe pee on it it's let's put some water on it so I don't get and I'm sorry to start it I, I, I I don't I hate to go there but he took us there and he forces us to try to understand, Shereen. one day before Thanksgiving, one of the best holidays of the year, exactly what the man means when he says, we're not urinating on the fire. And with that, I say good morning and happy Thanksgiving <laughs> and enjoy your breakfast if you're enjoying or at least trying to your morning meal while listening to or watching the show. Hi.
3: What a greeting. I mean, I think he meant that that's not going to put out the fire and you probably should try a fire extinguisher or something else because that's not going to work. Would that inflame the fire? That that probably would even make the fire go more, no. way, possibly. I, I don't I, know. I guess, I'm not going to try I,
0: it. I. It, it <laughs> depends on whose urine it is and how much they've been drinking. That would, it, I think, exactly. be a big factor in whether or not it would actually cause the fire to expand and, uh, and uh, grow. Uh, yeah. I, 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 look, I don't know. That's, that's almost something I'd expect Jerry Jones to say, not Mike Tom. Like if you had (laughs) shown me that quote, like when when we heard on Sunday that the showers weren't working in an NFL stadium, you wouldn't have had to tell me which stadium. My first guess would have been FedEx field. If you just show me that quote, I'm saying it's Jerry Jones. I'm betting the house on Jerry Jones said that. So I'm surprised that uh, and Mike Tomlin would have been one of the last because usually his sayings make sense. His sayings are impactful. His sayings are sensible. This was the first that I can remember kind of like, what the hell is he talking about? Moment from Mike Tomlin. Well, that was definitely a Jerryism, as we
3: like to call him. And, you know, when they did his Hall of Fame... Induction ceremony and had Justin Timberlake afterward. They had a whole collection. It was awesome. A video of all his quotes that he's had like that through the years, and that would definitely be one that I would have bet would have been on that reel because I would have bet that that was a Jerryism, not a Tomlinism. I guess as we have now.
0: And and I know which Jerryism made it. I know one that made it. My all-time <laughs> favorite Jerryism from his uh-huh. pre training camp press conference in 2012 when he said what he said and rich dalrymple the former cowboy spokesperson, person tried to save jerry and he threw it back he urinated on the fire when rich dalrymple tried <laughs> tried to save. well him played. from the comment that he made um so all right before we get to it it's it's wednesday by the way if uh If you're listening on the podcast and trying to keep your days straight, or if you just woke up and you don't know where you are or who you are, I can't help you with the latter question. I can help you with the former. You are somewhere that you are listening to or watching the program, and it is Wednesday, November 22nd. It is PFT Live. Shereen Williams is in. We got Chris to work Tuesday, but in exchange for working (laughs) Tuesday, he's not doing Wednesday, but he will be in later Because we are doing, this is the week that I call 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. Because we do all of our work in three days before Thursday and Friday, because we don't have a show Thursday or Friday. But we are doing the Joint Mega Picks podcast at 10 o'clock this morning. Two of them, one devoted specifically to the Thanksgiving games, and then another one devoted to the rest of the week. No buys this weekend, 32 teams playing, and we've got six standalone games. In week 12, three on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Sunday, one on Monday. So it should be a very eventful weekend, be awesome. especially as we get closer to the end of the season.
3: Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. My, I love these standalone games, and I would bet that the NFL would play just about every day if they had the opportunity to play every day, and maybe one day they will. But, you know, these games draw so many eyes, and, and the Cowboys traditionally – Thanksgiving Day game is the highest draw uh, of the season, of the regular season. But we saw a huge number on Monday night. So as I wrote last night, I don't know if the Cowboys and Commanders are going to be able to top that. But that will be a well-watched game. There will be a lot of eyes on that game. Probably a lot of eyes shut during that game. If anybody's had turkey, they're probably sleeping through that game and may have a reason to sleep through that game.
0: That's always the game where no matter how hard I fight it, I can't stay awake. And when I think, and I remember this happening last year or the year before, as I'm sitting there with family watching that game, I'll think, you know what? This year, this year, I think I'm going to make it. And then down come the shades, out go the lights, and I wake up (laughs) at some point in the second half. And yeah, this would be a year to fall asleep. Now, I, I do have to add something to what you said a little bit ago. You said you love these standalone games. Now, I have the text messages to prove that while you may love the concept of standalone games, there there are many standalone (laughs) games that you do not like, and you tell me that you do not like this game. You have on multiple occasions, and not because of anything I did, but because of the fact that the game that you're working and you're posting based upon the developments in the game, you have decided is boring and/or it stinks. Can we get no more
3: Bears and no more Jets, and I will be perfectly happy. I've had enough, and and the Broncos. Well, I've I've had enough of those three teams. At least the Broncos are playing better. But I think I've had my feel of those three teams this year. And it's a shame, Mike, we've talked about this on our text string, that the Texans aren't in one of those primetime windows. People are missing out on the Texans. Like I, It's my favorite team to watch. I've had it every one of their games. I love watching C.J. Stroud play, as you know from our text string. He's so exciting, one of the most exciting players in the NFL. They're going to play 17 weeks of 1 p.m. Eastern time games and they did flex their game, the Broncos game, back to 1 o'clock so they could get more eyes on that game. A hard explanation on that. But but they're going to get more eyes playing at 1 than they would have gotten playing at 4 against the 49ers and the Eagles. But it's just a shame that they're not in one of these games. And we've had so much of the Bears and the Jets and the Broncos and not enough of the Texans. Uh, the NFL just underestimated the Texans this year.
0: Well, You mentioned no more Jets, no more Bears. They are in 33% of the six standalone games in Week 12. We get the Jets on Black Friday, and we get the Bears on Monday night. And and by the way, I made this point the other night on Twitter. Black Friday is a term that originated in the retail industry among the workers. It is not a good day for them. They used to dread... Spending Thanksgiving with their family and knowing that the next day it was going to be all these people showing up for the official start or uno- it used to be the unofficial start before they came up unofficial. with a name for it of the Christmas shopping season. The day after Thanksgiving was always the day and the retail employees hated it. they hate- I learned this 20 years ago when I was practicing law and I was at a deposition and somebody mentioned who worked at a very large retailer who will remain anonymous or at least unnamed for these purposes. But one of the employees mentioned black Friday and I said, what's black Friday. I'd never heard it before. Oh, that's what we call the day after Thanksgiving because it's the worst day of the year for us because we just had Thanksgiving and now we go back and it's crazy and it's nuts and people are rude and people are stressed and they're fighting over this and they're fighting over that. So, that somehow became a good thing. Black Friday became a good thing. Originated from a very bad thing for the workers. And I say all that because it's fitting that a day that workers dread features a team that you dread watching. That the Jets are in this game. It's perfect for Black Friday. Because because you really should be saying, oh God, no, not the Dolphins and the Jets with Tim Boyle as the starting quarterback. So... Uh, on to the Texans, for whatever reason, the NFL has been putting Mike North, who's now the head of scheduling, out to do whatever. Hey, and I must have missed the email where he was offered to this show, but he's been on with Adam Shine. He was on the SI Media podcast. Peter King talked to him for Football Morning in America. I don't know why they're putting Mike North out there. I don't know if it's to get people to understand why there's been no flexing this year and why there may not be much flexing at all of night games. But he did see or say – I saw this just before the show to Adam Schein that he regrets – the league regrets not understanding and realizing the Texans were going to be a more attractive draw. But nobody thought that. Going into the season, I thought if you would taught one team in the AFC that had no chance to contend, it would have been the Houston Texans. Just like I said a couple of years ago with the Bengals. One team that can't contend, that has no chance. So in the future, when I identify that team – I'm betting on them making the playoffs (laughs) if I ever bet. And I never do. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you, Mike. If we had done that this year, they would have been my first
3: pick as well, because I thought they had no chance to make the postseason rookie quarterback, new head coach. We didn't know how D'Amico Ryans was going to be as the head coach. The roster didn't look that great. And, all of a sudden, here they are. They are in contention. Guess what? They're playing for first place this week. They they win this game. They're tied for first place, and they will have beaten Jacksonville twice, so they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. And they've been dominant against Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars this season, so I'm not betting against them this week. And you're right. Well, if we do that, that pick again next year, I am going to bet on at least one of the teams, probably the first team that we pick, although – the Texans would have been the first pick a couple of years ago. The Bengals would not have been the first pick. I don't think they were the first pick. So, But one of those teams I'm going to go bet on to to make to make at least make the Super Bowl because it's happened.
0: I think the Texans probably were our first pick to not make it a couple of years ago. This year there weren't as many. It yeah. was Texans, Raiders, and Cardinals, yeah. and maybe the Rams. Those were the ones. Sims and I had that conversation before the season. You and I may have had it as well. I can't – I can never really remember. I can't remember yesterday. How could I remember all those weeks Got ago? How to I put the bucks but, in there too? But I see – not in the A- NFC South. the NFC, NFC South, was South was wide open. so nobody bad. Knew. Yeah. 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 Nobody knew. I mean, look, th- this is why – and we haven't talked about this, and we'll, we'll get to what we need to get to because the, the theme, the common thread is termination of employment – but Jay Glazer said over the weekend that Frank Reich, the first year coach of the Panthers who had just done a good job and got railroaded, I think by Jim Ursay in Indianapolis is on the hottest seat right now. And, and one of the reasons I think why going into the season, you could have made the case for the Panthers to win that division. You could have made the case for any of those teams to win the NFC South and You know, Setting aside the fact that David Tepper is way too impulsive, way too involved, and good luck hiring a good coach. Good luck hiring a head coach who has options when you are going through them over and over again and you develop the reputation of being someone very difficult to work with because you're the billionaire and you're not afraid to remind everyone of your status and you're not afraid to put your hands in the dough, dirty as they may be, as it relates to your inability to build and maintain a good football team. Setting that aside... I, I it's I think it's it's unfair to Frank Reich to expect that team when the owner's the one that won a Bryce Young over CJ Stroud. But you know, the owner can't blame himself and the owner can't fire himself. So so anyway, um the Panthers would have been a team you look at and say, well, they've got as good of a shot as any of the other teams in the NFC South. It looks like the Saints right now will find out on Sunday against the Falcons if they can really take a grip on the division but but who knows it's still wide open among those three teams other than the Panthers
3: you know and I think one thing probably that David Tepper is looking at just what we're talking about Mike is the Texans' success because he's looking at that saying we we are playing in a weaker division we have a rookie quarterback just like they do but ours was picked first and theirs was picked second we have a rookie coach just like they do and ours is more experienced than theirs is And our defense was supposed to be much better than theirs was, on paper anyway. I would have picked the Panthers' defense far and away better than the Texans' defense before the season started. So 100%, if you look at the two rosters side-by-side before the year started and what they had, I would have expected the Panthers to have a better record than what the Texans have right now. And guess what? Their only win is over the Texans.
0: And see, I think what... David Tepper believes is, you know, it's the old uh, the kiss the frog until one turns into a prince. He'll just keep throwing back frogs and and he'll he he's got to be looking at the Texans saying, well, if I just would have hired D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, we'd be doing we'd be doing what the Texans are doing. He overlooks the fact that he needs to get the hell out of the way. And I'm sorry, David Tepper, but. Hey, you, you, you've got common roots at the same school at Carnegie Mellon. I didn't go there for grad school. I went there undergrad. I think he went there for the whole thing. And they've got, you know, he's done well enough that there's a building named after him. And that's another difference between me and him. He actually gives money back to his college. I don't. <laughs> they got enough out of me at the time. You ain't getting, quit calling me Carnegie Mellon. You can get any of my money. You got everything you were getting from me between 1983 and 1987. But I digress. <laughs> but I don't know that they'd be successful with D'Amico Ryan's because Tepper can't help himself tepper can't stay out of it and you know we we got the glimpse of how he's wired when they caught him on camera in that panthers bears game a couple of weeks ago and he was pissed he couldn't even pretend to be happy that he owns an nfl team he's worth 20 billion at least smile for the camera guy that's one of the reasons why you bought the team so they show you on tv when your team's playing don't get pissed about that i just think he's holding on way too tight and and if he fires frank reich it may it, it may be a sign that that team is never going to be successful as long yeah. as he's the owner because he can't just make the hire and let the people do what they're paid to do. Make a good hire and get out of the way and let them do their work. All right, speaking of good hires versus bad hires, the Steelers have admitted that maybe they made a bad hire when they made Matt Canada the offensive coordinator. The first in-season season Coaching change of significance for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 1941. This came courtesy of ESPN yesterday when Burt Bell, who would go on to be the last NFL commissioner before Pete Rosell, was the coach of the Steelers for two games in 1941. That's the last time the Steelers made a major in-season change. Canada is out. Here's more from Tomlin. Hopefully with no other advice on how to put out a fire in explaining the decision to fire Matt Canada.
2: So just rest assured um, that this decision was not taken lightly. I got a lot of respect uh, for Matt personally and professionally. It was not easy, um, but I thought it was necessary. Um, This is a result-oriented business. And to be short, um, the improvements were not rapid enough or consistent enough um, for us to proceed. Um, you got to score touchdowns in this business. you got to win games in this business. Um, And just the totality of it has us where we are um, today. There there hadn't been enough continuity in our work, certainly. It hadn't developed at the rate that I would like it to. Um, We're still showing signs of September football kind of in some instances. And, you know, that's unacceptable, man. It's late November. Was this your decision and your decision alone, or was this made collectively with uh, Omar and, and Art? Leadership is lonely. Um, I don't run from it. I run to it. Um, It was mine and mine alone.
0: See, I'll quibble with that last point from Mike Tomlin because Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette tweeted yesterday, possibly before the mass announcement that was made by the Steelers that Canada is out, that Art Rooney has fired Matt Canada, not Mike Tomlin. Art Rooney fired him. And one of the things about the Steelers that, is fascinating to me. Art Rooney. We just talked about how David Tepper is too involved. Art Rooney is very involved in a low-key way. And I think he always has been. And before that, his father, Dan Rooney, was involved in a very low-key way. It's been a family-run business with family members in key positions for decades. It never gets scrutinized or criticized because they're always relevant. They always contend. They're always good. Would they be better? I don't know if they had no family involvement. And eventually, the problem with family involvement—you get a family member in there that doesn't know what they're doing, and then the ship gets run aground. But, but the way that it was characterized by Dulac and the way that it's characterized by Tomlin conflict, and and Dulac also in his story at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette website said there was a long meeting with Art Rooney. And he never really specified who the meeting was with. Was it Rooney in Canada? Right. was it Rooney and Tomlin? And there's always been that thought that, you know, like when Bruce Arians got retired by the Steelers after the 2011 season, the way Arians tells it, I wanted to come back, and Mike Tomlin told me he was going to get me a new contract. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And there was an issue for years, and it may still exist between Arians and Tomlin because Tomlin said, I'm bringing you back. Well, why didn't he come back? because Art Rooney didn't want him back, because the perception was he was too close to Ben Roethlisberger and they needed somebody who would coach him a little harder. That's the, the general version that's accepted as loosely true. But, but Tom, I mean, Tomlin can stand there and act like he's the captain of the ship, but he's not. Art Rooney is. Well, and
3: I, I read that same thing, Mike, and I wondered who that meeting was with. I have no doubt that Art Rooney was involved in the decision in some way, whether it was Tomlin saying we need to do this and Rooney signing off on it, whatever that was, whether it was directly him or to him just signing off on it. I have no doubt that Art Rooney was involved in the decision simply because they hadn't done this since 1941 And if you want to go back and have another little stat here, 2012 was the last time, Mike, they even fired a coach who was under contract. Like they don't do this. They don't fire coaches at all, period. They let their contracts run out. And then as you pointed out with Arians, they don't give them new contracts if they want them to go away. And that was special teams coach Al Everest was like going camp in 2012. So... Whatever it was, I do think that if it had been a different team, Mike, that he would have been gone, Matt Canada, a long time before now because he deserved to be gone a long time before now. We saw the chance from the fans. We saw how disgruntled they were. We saw some quotes from the players, especially Najee Harris over the last couple weeks and what he said. So this needed to happen. I think it would have been... It would have happened far quicker if this wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers because they do things in a different way. But I have no doubt that in some way, shape, or form that Art Rooney was involved in this.
0: I was there for the Week 2 Monday night game against the Browns when the Fire Canada chance broke out. I did not participate in them. I was there merely as an observer slash quasi fan of the game. It was nice to go to a game for the first time in years and not be working, to just go and sit and watch and enjoy the game. But... I definitely heard the Fire Canada week 2. It broke out at the Penguins home opener, a hockey <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Now, here's now. It may have been something that went like this. It may have been Tomlin has been wanting to make the change and the big boss wouldn't let him make the change. And now the big boss finally came around. So, technically it's Mike Tomlin's decision. He just was encouraged not to make it until very recently when he was encouraged to go ahead and make the move to fire Matt Canada. Because here's the reality. What you have to ask yourself is, if you make the change, and we went through this last week with the Bills, if you make the change, yeah. how are things going to improve? And maybe, maybe for Art Rooney, if he was the one saying, let's wait, let's wait. Let's wait. You know, the old emperor thing, like he's going thumbs up or thumbs down. Like he keeps going thumbs up on Matt Canada. (laughs) The thing that maybe makes him go thumbs down is seeing what happened with the Bills, that it worked. So it could be that simple. You know, we like to overcomplicate it. I think there's a, I I don't know. it, It just makes it seem bigger. It makes it seem more mysterious if it's more complicated. Maybe it's as simple as Art Rooney saw what the Bills did. So he's like, well, let's go ahead and give this a try because we don't know what the hell else to do. I think, I think really the deeper thing though is when you look at some of the things that happened on Sunday in that Browns game, the Najee Harris comments yeah. from after the game, which were far more than what we played on Monday, where he says, "I'm getting tired of this." As at, I'm not. I'm trying this day before Thanksgiving. I'm not going to say the word. Maybe I will later in the show. And the report from Mark Caboli of the Athletic that receiver Deontay Johnson had to be literally picked up by Broderick Jones, their rookie tackle, and dragged away from an altercation with an unnamed assistant coach. That that may have just been the point where they decide as an organization, whether it's something Mike Tomlin wanted to do or whether it's something he decided to do or everyone decided or no one decided or somebody decided on Monday, this just has to end. This just has to change. We cannot continue down this path. And they took Monday to make the decision and then, as I think Dulac pointed out, it was when Canada showed up for work on Tuesday morning that he found up, found out that uh, after being moved from the booth to the sideline, he was now being moved out of the stadium altogether. So, yeah, you know, Shereen, whatever the 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 real catalyst was, I think it was overdue. But part of the problem is now that we've done it, what do we do?
3: Yeah, and. You know, Mike, the funny thing to me about this offense in Mac Canada, if you go back to the preseason, they look so good in the preseason. They were the best first-team offense in the preseason of any team out there. I think they had five possessions in the preseason, and they scored touchdowns on every single one. You're like, man, this offense has turned the corner. I thought they were going to be great after watching them in the preseason. And what they did, and they just can't get it done. 16 touchdowns this season. They have a minus 29-point differential outscored in every single game. 28th in points, 28th in yards, 31st in passing. I mean, this is just an awful offense. And it's kind of been that way since Matt Canada's been there 44 games. I mean, they're 28th in points, 28th in yards, 30th in yards per play since he's been there in the 44 games. Now, in his defense, I'll say this. He had Ben Roethlisberger, who was over the hill in 2021. He had Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett last year, and he has Mitch and he has uh, Kenny Pickett this year. And Pickett was a rookie last year, so I don't know from that standpoint, Mike, if he really got a fair shot. When you don't have a quarterback, it's not necessarily all your fault that you can't turn the offense into something it can't be. And I don't know how good this offense can be. I think probably better than 28th. But I don't know how good they can be because they're, they're just not there with the quarterbacks that they've had.
0: And that first season for Canada with Ben Roethlisberger, they didn't want him back that year. They did not want him back. Yeah. That's my yeah. firm belief. They, they made him an offer that they thought he would refuse on a reduced salary for 2021, that it would be enough. it was, you know, it wasn't so low that it was an insult, but it was calculated, I believe to be low enough that he'd say, I'll just go ahead and retire. He was a shell of himself that year. He had no mobility. And, and then they, they look, they went 20 years between Bradshaw and Roethlisberger and they finally realized, and they're finally in position in 2004, to get Roethlisberger as he fell through the top 10. I think they picked him number 11 that year after Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers went in the top five. I think it was wise and prudent for them to be looking for a way to pass the baton from Ben Roethlisberger to a new potential franchise quarterback. But one of the things that gets overlooked in all of this Matt Canada conversation, Shereem, there's a pretty good chance Kenny Pickett's not good enough. There's nothing he does that, that makes you say, Oh wow! Do that again. It's just, it's it's like he's dog paddling, and the other great quarterbacks are swimming, and he's just good enough to dog paddle. He's just good enough to not drown. Just good enough to get from one end of the pool to the other. But you know, with all this attention on candidacy, that that's what's going to happen now. Now the candidate's gone. Steelers fans, you got what you wanted. Now what? Where is the focus of your ire going to be if the Steelers don't become the Dolphins? And they won't. They're not going to be able to wave a magic wand, flip a switch, come up with some new play, some new plan. Now, maybe the new structure, and we'll talk about that in a second, but maybe the new structure will indeed try to infuse a rhythm, a a flow, a strategy, not random play selectors, kind of like with the Bills. It just feels like random play selector, and lately it's been run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, throw a screen pass to a running back on third down. That's been the overarching method to the to the Pittsburgh offensive madness, and the madness boiled over on Sunday.
3: Yeah, Mike, you know it, it, I think it goes to Mike Tomlin's coaching and how good he is, and I know some Steelers fans want him gone. But, I, you know, I think you have to think about where they are with the quarterbacks they've had over the past few years that they're able to stay in contention. And that's what's you know, we haven't even talked about is they're still, this is a six and four team with Kenny Pickett and no offense out gained in every single game. And they're in contention, Mike. It's amazing to me that they're in contention. Tells you how good their defense is. Tells you how good their head coach is. If they can just get a little bit of offense going, this is a team that has a chance to contend because defense travels and they have a chance to do something. I, and I'm not saying they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, but they do have a chance to make the playoffs and possibly pull an upset in the first round because their defense is good enough. Their coaching is good enough. They just have to find that little bit of offense. And they haven't had it with Kenny Pickett. Six touchdowns and four interceptions. I love their receiving core, but the quarterback hasn't been good enough the running game hasn't been good enough the offensive line hasn't been good enough and all of that together hasn't been good enough that they're not better than 6 and 4 and i think they probably should be better than 64 6 and 4 if they had an offense but they don't so they are very lucky at this point to be 6 and 4
0: you know it's it's odd that this all went down when it did because i was just coming around to the idea that that they were developing enough of a running game to make that their identity. Yeah. We saw solid performance from Jalen Warren and Najee Harris the prior week. Okay. So you lean on the running game, you lean on your defense. Well, what is it that's going to help you in the postseason? It's defense and running game. If you go to Kansas city on a crappy weather day, like, like we saw Monday night, you know, cold yeah. and, and rainy Gives you a chance. You go to Buffalo. Anywhere but Miami. You know, you go to Baltimore. It's a division rival, and you're, you're playing outdoors in the elements. All those things would have been positive. That's what makes how it all fell apart this weekend and into Monday so stunning. Because they still have the running game in Jalen Warren. It was Najee Harris who sounded off and really undercut this idea yeah. that they can hold the offense together. There was something deeper. When you look at all of Najee Harris's comments, there was something so much deeper than the – surface level frustration and it may just be that mike tomlin art rooney whoever collectively individually however they did it realize that matt canada is the one who's failing to to do something that wins the confidence and faith of the players and it's one thing for canada to lose the fans canada lost the players that's the big takeaway from it. Najee Harris had to say after the game. And at some point, Shereen, it's on Tomlin. Now, and, and maybe, and again, we don't know. They're not going to tell us how these conversations went. So we're left to try to wonder how it may have happened. But it would not be ridiculous to see Mike Tomlin saying to Art Rooney, look, ultimately, I'm responsible for this team. At some point, this is on me. I've tried everything in my tool bag that I can. And I'm not urinating on the fire. So I've got to do something big here. We've got to move on from Matt Canada. We've got to do it. I've been, you know, we've been having this conversation every week since week one. We've got to do this. I can't do my job if I have an offensive coordinator who has lost half of the locker room. I can't do it. I'm going to lose that half and then I'm going to lose the rest if I don't do something soon. That, that I mean, if you told me that's how it went down, I'd say, yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah,
3: yeah. And you just read those Najee Harris quotes or listen to them, and and you understand that Matt Canada had lost the locker room, and and that's the big thing. That's bigger than losing the fans. The fans are one thing, but the players are another. Now. Has Kenny Pickett lost the locker room? Has he lost the offense? He's lost the confidence of them. I think that's what we find out next because there's, at this point, there's no one else to blame except Kenny Pickett. So what do you do if you're the Steelers? If this doesn't work out, if you don't make the playoffs, um, what do you do at the quarterback position? This isn't a team that goes out and makes trades and has big free agent signings, and where your record is is not going to get you to the top of the draft order to draft a quarterback. So what are you going to do at the position beyond this year if you figure out this year that Kenny Pickett's not the guy? This is a team that's got a lot of questions, Mike, to answer the rest of this year and then beyond this year at the quarterback position and then obviously at the offensive coordinator, what they're going to do there.
0: Well, and think about the choices they'll have next year whether it's try to trade for Justin Fields try to trade for Kyler Murray assuming either is even available there's a chance neither will be available there's a chance both will be available Kirk Cousins is free and clear to play for anyone he so desires and just like Aaron Rodgers being attracted to the Jets if Kirk Cousins would come to the Steelers and they've got that suffocating defense you know, that, that's a guy that they should be interested in or could be interested in if they decide that Kenny Pickett isn't it. And this is the other problem, too. And I think this is one of the reasons we don't see Jalen Warren featured more. I think there's some institutional ego that gets involved and maybe it flows from the very top. We used a first round pick on Najee Harris. We have to use Najee Harris. We can't let him be supplanted by the guy who was undrafted. We used a first round pick on Kenny Pickett. We can't give up on him after two seasons. We're the team that stuck with Terry Bradshaw well beyond the point where maybe we should have, and it paid off. So we're going to stick with Kenny Pickett, and maybe five years into his career, all of a sudden, he'll figure it out, and he'll take us to a Super Bowl. So that's going to be part of the challenge in moving on from Kenny Pickett if they do, but they are going to have options to upgrade out there. And I really do think that we've seen enough from Kenny Pickett to come to the loose conclusion that there really isn't anything he does that makes you say that guy's on track to be a, a top five short list franchise quarterback. It's I think that's fair, yeah. and he's benefited from all of the Matt Canada hatred, and not completely. He he gets some of it. He's going to get more of it going forward. I think Shereen.
3: Yeah, it's on his shoulders now. Matt Canada's gone. That's who the fans wanted to see gone. So it's on Kenny Pickett now to get this offense turned around and. And if he can't do it, yeah, they're going to have to go find a quarterback. But that's the thing, Mike. Do you have any faith that Kirk Cousins is a free agent, that they're going to outbid somebody for Kirk Cousins, that just that's not their M.O. That's not what they've done in the past. They don't make those big trades. They don't make those big free agent signings. I mean, two years ago, they were looking for a quarterback, and they went out and got Mitch Trubisky. He was going to start until Kenny Pickett was ready. Whoopsie do. I mean, that's not a big-name quarterback who's gotten it done. There's a reason that he was on his third team at that point, so – I just have no faith that that they're going to go out and spend big money and and trade compensation to get a quarterback that you're talking about. And that's why I say I I don't know what they're going to do with the position if it's not Kenny Pickett. And it well may be Kenny Pickett regardless of what happens the rest of this year just because of what you said. They don't give up on players just like they don't give up on coaches. Matt Canada got 44 games. He probably shouldn't have gotten 44 games based on where they were offensively.
0: And they get away with it because they always find a way to stay relevant and stay in contention. And you have to wonder how many more Lombardi trophies they'd have if maybe they were a little more like other teams and know when to say enough and when to make that move and whether or not Kenny Pickett ends up getting that same pink slip that Matt Canada got. We'll see. Now, let's consider where it goes from here because I've heard some things that conflict with the reporting on who the next offensive coordinator will be. The generally accepted narrative out there is that quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan and running backs coach Eddie Faulkner will share the job and that Sullivan will call the plays on game day. I've heard, and I'm not saying this is 100, I just don't know, but when I hear something that conflicts with that, it makes me say, What's going on here? I've heard Faulkner's running the show and then he and Sullivan are going to share the play calling. I don't know how that works. And the person who told me that I said, how does that work on game day? How do you share the play calling? Do you go every other one? You know, I mean, what do you do? Do you say, well, you call them until we don't score. And then I'll call them until I don't score. And then you call them until we don't. Like, that makes no sense either. So I don't know what's going on. And maybe Maybe they want some confusion about who's really running the offense. Maybe that's a way to get the fans to get off the offense coordinators back. They don't know who to chant. Fire Sullivan? Fire (laughs) Faulkner? I don't know. But Tomlin better be careful because if they don't have a pin cushion on the offensive side of the ball, it's eventually going to be him that they want to fire
3: that chance going to be fire them all fire them all because they're not going to know who to blame. And you're right. There is confusion about who's calling the plays. I think we'll, we'll have maybe a better vision of that on Sunday and how it works possibly. But you know, it was like last year with, with the Patriots, we didn't know who was going to call plays. We didn't at times know who was calling the plays and Especially in the preseason, we were trying to figure out who was doing it by who was like actually talking to the quarterback and all those things. So maybe something like that, Mike, again, that we're not exactly sure all season, the rest of the season, who's doing the play calling.
0: Actually, based on some of the Steelers games I've attended in my earlier years and sat in the upper deck and witnessed the amount of alcohol that gets consumed during the game, there probably will still be people chanting Fire Canada. They're probably, that probably, they'll just, they'll just <laughs> yeah. stick with Fire Canada, even though he's already gone. Some of them during the game may not actually be aware. They may have known before the game, but during the game, after walking up with the icy lights over and over again, they might, they might get to the point where they think Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines.
0: Another team in the AFC North, and they've got four teams at or above 500. The Ravens currently are the top seed in the AFC because they played an extra game. They have an extra win. Three losses, though, for the Ravens, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson has that ankle that he injured last Thursday night. Here he is from yesterday talking about how that ankle feels. I believe I'm good. I
2: believe I'm 100%.
0: So he kind of said he's almost 100%. Today we'll find out. Today's the day we get the first injury report of the week for the Ravens in advance of the Sunday night game on NBC and Peacock, Baltimore, at the L.A. Chargers. Will he be limited in practice? Will he not practice? Will he be even disclosed as having an ankle injury at all? And when we look around at the recent trend, everybody knew Jalen Hurts had a knee injury. He was never on it. Last week, Trevor Lawrence was off the report while they were still saying his knee was injured. We had the Kenny, the the Joe Burrow stuff last week, so I don't know what the Ravens are going to do when it comes to disclosing or not disclosing the injury. But we all saw it last Thursday night. He was hobbled. He had some sort of a wrap on the ankle in the second half of the game, and and we'll we'll see. But he, you know, he did that little move for those of you watching, and you saw that he did that little move where he's yeah. he's working around on those ankles and he seemed to be fine so that's good news for the Ravens that's the last thing they need the last thing they need is to have another Lamar Jackson late season injury at a time when they're closing in on potentially being the one seed forcing the road to the Super Bowl through Baltimore they don't need for the third straight December a Lamar Jackson injury that knocks him out for the rest of the year or or at least most of it
3: Yeah, 2020 was the last time, Mike, that he finished the year 2021. He missed those final four games with the ankle. And then last year was the final five regular season games with that sprained knee. So he hasn't been able to stay healthy at the end of seasons, which has cost the Ravens a a chance to go to a Super Bowl, and if they have a healthy Lamar Jackson with what's going on in the AFC, with the Chiefs looking like the Chiefs are looking in the second half of games, with Joe Burrow not being there, with Deshaun Watson not being there, this is a team you suddenly look at and you go, this is a team with a real chance to go to the Super Bowl now. And I think they are. I think they have the best defense in the league. They and the the Browns have the two best – defenses and the Ravens certainly have the best rushing offense in the NFL and and they're just doing things right now to win games at eight and three so I look at this team as a potential Super Bowl team Mike but that has to involve Lamar Jackson being healthy that ankle has to be right it's such a big part of his game that it's bigger than if it was a pocket passer who had a left ankle injury With Lamar Jackson, it's crucial that he keeps those ankles healthy.
0: Well, we know who the Ravens quarterback will continue to be. For most teams, we know who the starting quarterback is. In one town where the team is as bad as it's been in decades, we don't know who the quarterback is. The other side of it, though, is we don't really care. Here's Bill Belichick from yesterday answering the question by the people who are Paid to care, the reporters covering the team on who the starting quarterback will be this week when they play the Giants in New Jersey. Now, I've told all the players the same thing: be ready to go. So, hopefully, they will be.
2: Have you made a decision on the starting quarterback? Regardless yeah, of the I've
0: season? told everybody to be ready to go. Yeah, but
2: there's a difference. <clears throat> what you tell them when a decision? Let
0: well, you know on Sunday. Okay. I told every player to be ready to play.
1: See how things go. I've told all the players to be ready to go. So
0: see, that's just be dumb. Ready. and maybe he I mean, the Well, I mean, yeah, they're all ready to go. They all need to be ready to go, but we have a depth chart. And the most important position on that depth chart is quarterback. You have to know who the starting quarterback is. And look, if it were any other team, I would scoff at this because. As of today, when they had their first main practice in advance of Sunday's game, and they practiced yesterday, so it, it would have happened yesterday as well, any other team, someone is going to blab, somebody on the practice field, whether it's a player, a coach, a staff member, whoever, someone's going to say who got the bulk of the reps with the first team, and then we'll know who the starter is. Bill Belichick is one of the few that has the whole organization so pressed tightly under his thumb that no one will say anything. That he'll know who spoke. He'll find out who spoke. He's got them all brainwashed into behaving like robots when it comes to saying nothing to anyone. Will Greer was asked about it yesterday whether or not he got any first team reps on Tuesday and he said I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say I'm not saying anything. So maybe he can keep it under wraps until he wants us all to know who the starter is, but at some point we'll know. Is he going to do a revolving door? Is he going to is he going to let Mac Jones play until, you know, he fails to score points and then put in Bailey Zappi until he fails to score points and then put in Will Greer until he fails to score points? I don't know. But I think any of the three could play. And, Shereen, maybe all of the three will play. At this point, It, you know, where do you get your motivation to go win when the season's lost and there's a generally accepted – understanding that he isn't going to be back next year. This is tough for everybody in the organization. You're just playing out the string. You're playing the role of spoiler. And, you know, even the the idea of tanking doesn't matter if everyone's gone. It's going to be somebody else who's using the higher draft pick. The whole situation is strange. And it's the first time we've ever seen it happen to a team that was once, and not that long ago, great and has now completely fallen apart, and is just in shambles. And I think most of the people in the organization can't wait for the season to end.
3: Yeah, and you missed Malik Cunningham, who I think we think is a at least a part-time quarterback. So when you have four quarterbacks, Mike, you have no quarterbacks. And, you know, Bill O'Brien actually said it's hard to get four quarterbacks ready. You have to get two quarterbacks ready, and that's it. So we would suspect that it's going to be either Mac jones or bailey Zappi, and because mac jones has started every game this year and continually gets benched three benchings in 10 games i would expect that he would start again this week and probably get benched again in favor of bailey zappy again but whatever they're doing but you're right uh, if it was any other team you know i i think we'd look at it and say well they need to to tank and move on but bill belichick's not going to tank And it is going to be somebody probably next year who's going to probably benefit from this team because I don't think they're going to win many more games this season, Mike. This is a team to me that just looks like a disaster. So it's on fire. I don't know how you put out that fire. I wouldn't suggest that Bill Belichick urinate on that fire, but maybe that's the way they go.
0: Well done. Well done. Um, And look, the only motivation that Bill Belichick has at this point is to keep amassing wins. Even if it's just one more the rest of the year, it gets him closer to Don Shula. If as many assume he continues coaching next year because what else is he going to do? Then he's he's got fewer games to catch Don Shula wherever he might land in twenty twenty four. That's going to be the story of the offseason. And it's going to unfold fairly quickly, I believe. Who is going to make a play for Bill Belichick, if anyone, if he gets fired right after the season ends, that will mean that during this period of time where everyone knows he's available in de facto trade, no one worked out a deal with the Patriots and they just decided we're moving on. We're not going to get anyone to give us anything for Bill Belichick. See you later. And they figure out who the next coach is going to be. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, Will Shireen's Dallas Cowboys dominate the commanders the way they dominated the Panthers last week? We'll look at that key Thursday afternoon game when PFT Live continues right after this.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy,